You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step by step how to meet and seduce beautiful women. Women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week long fling, or a long term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello, and welcome to the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Today, I have a special interview with Mr. Jason Pfeiffer. He is the editor-in-chief over at Entrepreneur Magazine. Pretty cool. And he's back because we did a previous episode where he came on. We talked about how to ask questions, how to ask good questions when you're talking to girls. Uh, But now we're talking about your story, your story, right? So how do you tell your story? And that's going to happen. You're going to be talking to people. People are going to want to know about you. You're going to have to offer information, whether it be on a first date or the first time you meet a girl or whenever. And it doesn't have to be with just meeting girls. It can be with anybody. You're going to have to learn how to tell your story. How do you do that in a way where it's actually interesting and engaging and people want to hear more from you and they're listening and they're like, wow, this person's interesting. And how do you do that if you don't even have an interesting story? How do you find the interesting story? We answer all those questions today on this interview with Jason, and he does a pretty good job, gives you some really cool techniques on how to do it so you can walk away learning how to tell your story and then implementing it in the real world. So we're going to get into that very soon. A couple of announcements. If you don't already know, my book Magnetic is out and available for purchase. Audiobook is available. The audiobook is finally available. That is right. Magnetic, cultivate confidence, become rejection-proof, and naturally attract the women you desire. 168 pages, maybe a three-hour or two to three-hour-ish audiobook. Also available on Kindle, all available on Amazon. So if you want a step-by-step process with action steps on how to meet and attract women, this whole book gives it all for you. Every single chapter giving you what you need to learn in order to become magnetic to women. And that is a promise as long as you implement the action steps that I give you in it. So this is not just a book that you're just going to kind of read and gloss over. No, you're gonna, it's a workbook. You're going to use it and it's going to work for you if you work it. So check it out on Amazon. Link in the show notes or if you don't know how to do that because some people always have trouble going to the show notes for whatever reason. Just go to Amazon, type in Trip Kramer with two Ps or Magnetic Trip and you will see it right there. So check it out on Amazon uh, and don't be afraid to uh, just go look and, and see which medium is going to be better for you. Probably audiobook because you like podcasts if you're listening to this right now. Anywho, let's get into our interview. I think you're going to like this. We're talking about storytelling, specifically your story. Here it is, the interview with Jason Pfeiffer and myself. Hey, Jason. How you doing, man? Hey, good to reconnect. So happy to reconnect. This is now your second time on the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I will put the link to our initial interview that we did a couple months ago. where We talked about the questions and how to ask questions when you're on a date, when you're talking to a girl. And because Jason here is a journalist, he is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. He also worked for Men's Health, Maxim. He's a keynote speaker. He knows all this stuff. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to ask questions. And more importantly, and this is why we're doing another episode, he really understands how to tell your story. Okay, because I'm guessing you've interviewed a lot of people and you've actually, yeah. you've heard a lot of people's stories before and how they tell their story, right? 
Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the thing that everybody wants to do with me. <laughs> they all want to meet me and then tell me their story because they want me to then tell their story. So yeah, all day, all day, I'm hearing people tell me their stories. Cool, cool. And then isn't it up to you to hear their story and try to make it more interesting when you're writing about it, when you're putting it in some of these magazines? Oh, yeah. I mean, what I'm doing is I'm filtering for the kinds of stories that my reader is ultimately interested in. So most people don't understand why I don't think that their story is a story for the magazine, for example, because which is not a judgment on what their value is or what their story is, right? The problem in this, I don't know that this is necessarily related to dating, but maybe I'll just say it, is that most people think that they have a unique story when they don't. And so they will tell me the thing that isn't actually unique instead of the thing that is unique. People have a a hard time, I think, identifying what is unique about them. And so here's, here's a good example. I get emails all day long from someone who's like, I'm a 19 year old entrepreneur, or I'm a mom and an entrepreneur. And they think that that fact is unique and therefore deserving of attention. And in truth, I get things like that all day. And so it's not unique. And actually, I do think this is relevant to dating as I talk about it because because people often don't think about what makes them unique and what sets them apart. And it's often not the first thing that you think of. You know, it's, it's, it's often some path that you took or some insight that you have or some something, right, that makes you unique. And, and I, I just, I guarantee that everybody has something. If you, if you if you think, well, my story, I have no story. You do, you do, you have something, but you probably haven't thought hard enough about it or you have overlooked it as the thing that actually is um, kind of, that makes people's ears perk up. And you should start, well, we should go, we'll, we'll, we can go into it, but I, I feel like you, you need to start figuring out what that is. And it's, it's pretty easy to do it. You just start telling people lots of different things and you notice what they're engaged in and then you try it again. I'm curious to know, you know, you said, okay, you've heard from the mom entrepreneurs, the 19-year-old entrepreneurs or whoever. So maybe you can give it a quick example of what is something that is unique oh, sure. from an example where you've heard the same thing over and over. Like what was something that made someone stand out from someone who is doing something that's really the same as a lot of other people? Yeah. Great question. Okay. So I got this email once from this woman named Joelle. And Joel, bear with me here because the story will come back around to your question. Joel makes a butter dish. <laughs> and it is, uh, so she reaches out to me and, um, you know, of course, what she wants is attention for her butter dish. And what she surely does all day. What's a butter around. dish? Oh, so, you know, well, like it's a, it's a, it's a small piece of thing that you have in your kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, like oh, it's, it's a dish that holds butter. It's a dish that holds butter. Yeah. So it's a, right. It's like a small butter-sized dish. I don't know if you meant like it was a dish, like a recipe with butter in it or something. Oh, no. Sorry. No, literally a dish that holds butter. Okay. A butter dish. Yeah. So she, right. Most of, most of what she talks about all day, I'm sure, is this butter dish. And just that she has a butter dish and it's a great butter dish. And the reason that she has created this particular butter dish is to solve a problem. And that problem is that it turns out you can, here's a fun fact, you don't need to refrigerate butter. And that, uh, so if you leave butter out, it is nice and warm and easily spreadable instead of if it's in the fridge, like I keep my butter 
then it's like really hard. You have to chip away at it. So you can do that. But the problem is that if you keep it on a normal butter dish, right? Usually a butter dish has like a little top to it with a, that you pull off. But the problem is that if you'll pull it off, you'll end up bumping the warm butter and then you got butter everywhere. So what she figured out was to put a butter dish on a hinge so that the top is on a hinge and it flips up and down. Therefore, where it's going is totally predictable and it never bumps into the butter. Clever, smart, right? But not all that valuable for me because you know what I hear all day long, though that thing is unique to her and it's what ultimately I guess will sell somebody on her butter dish, when she's talking to me, that's not that unique because what it is is an, like a sort of clever invention. Everybody's got a sort of clever invention. I hear about them all the time. So that's not going to work. But when she reached out to me, she told me this story. And the story is wonderful. Here it is. So she comes up with this idea for the butter dish and she wants to do some market research on it. She wants to know what people will pay for this thing, what kind of colors they like, you know, basic stuff that you need in business. And she goes to a company and asks them how much they would charge her to do this market research. And they say $10,000. Now, she does not have $10,000 to spend on this. So she's not really sure what to do until she is sitting in the airport one day, flying wherever she was flying and looking around and realizes that the airport is full of people who have absolutely nothing better to do than answer questions about a butter dish. Sitting around, literally nothing better to do. And so she, every time she needs to fly somewhere, she shows up like five hours early because you can show up whenever the hell you want if you're flying out. And she just starts making her way around the airport, approaching people and saying, hello, I work for a market research firm, which is a lie, but you never want to say that you're the inventor. And uh, because then people will be nice to you and you don't want them to be nice to you. So she'll say, I'm, you know, I'm a market research person and I would love your thoughts on this butter dish. And she did that. She just did that over and over and over again for many flights and many hours. And that is how she did her own market research without having to spend the $10,000. Now, I love that story because that story is all about resourcefulness and cleverness and not stopping when there's a barrier in front of you. And that is exactly the kind of story that I want to tell my readers. That's something unique. That was a clever, unique thing that she did that is so much more interesting than I have an invention that's sort of clever, right? And that to me is the lead in. Like That's a a perfect example of the kind of thing that I think people should think about when they're telling their story, right? Like, your story is not necessarily like your biography or your greatest hits or whatever. Like sometimes it's just something, it's just something really fun and interesting that tells somebody something about you, you know, because ultimately what people want to know is like, what's your deal? Who are you? Like, what are you about? And little fun anecdotes like that, little stories of something from your life, something that you did, that tells you more than any fact could or any series of facts could. That's a, it's a tale and it shows your motivations and your insights and your cleverness. And it just, it tells about you instead of facts about you. Yeah. And I also think even just zooming out on all this is, you know, if you're on a date, you're talking to a girl for the first time, whatever, and you're able to tell a story versus saying facts. Yeah. I mean, that's already attractive enough and interesting to just be able to tell a story. Even if that story isn't like the most interesting thing, just the story itself. To be able to talk about yourself in story form yes, and do it in such a way that engages somebody, I mean, even that goes a long way. So just imagine if not only you could tell the story, but the story itself was interesting. To me now, that's a double whammy, right? And that's huge. 
And you know what's really, really valuable about that? What you just said there is that it creates entry points for responses. That is so important because you need, like a fact is hard to respond to. I do this. Like there's only one thing that you can ask, ask after that, right? Which is like, oh, what's that like? Or how did you get into that, right? Which sometimes may not actually be all that interesting depending on what your job is. But if you can tell a great story, it opens up all sorts of opportunities for her to respond. She can, she can jump on, you know, like, oh, I did something like that too. Or, oh, you, you know, like that's such a funny thing. Whatever it is, like, I think that, I think that conversation is, is really, it's like about doing two things at the same time, right? It's about offering something about you, but also making it very easy for the person to respond so that something builds upon itself. And stories are perfect for that because especially if you have a really good story, what you will do is prompt someone else to tell their really good story and then you will learn more about them. And of course, once you get somebody else telling their story, they love you because everyone wants to tell their story, right? So if you are like, if you are open and interested in what they have to say, they're rolling and then they want to hear your next one. I mean, it, you become almost like story traders. But those things that, that reveal things about you are so much easier to respond to, which is so valuable. So what do you think are some of the elements or even before we go into the elements of story, how do you find that about yourself? Where do you dig to find that? Because I can hear yeah. a lot of guys right now saying in their heads, you know, oh man, I really just, I don't have that. I don't have that story. There's nothing interesting. You know, oh, I'm only 22. Nothing's happened to me yet. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, I'm 40 and I just have lived a pretty, pretty average life. Like, where am I going to find this story about myself? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. So, let me tell you how I handle my own version of this in my life now, which is public speaking, because I, I, I stand on stages a lot now and talk and also am interviewed in lots of different capacities. And the way that I prepare for that is just by watching people react to me in the real world when I'm not performing. So I, I am always conscious of how people are responding to things that I'm telling them. And, you know, something just in the course of conversation, when you're really relaxed, right? When, not when you're out on a date, but when you're just like talking to some people or you're at work, you're shooting the shit, whatever you're doing, you'll, you know, you'll end up telling them these, these things. And you can, you know, when something you say is fun or gets a reaction, right? And, and every time that I do that, Every time I, I, it's just in conversation, I get, I just sort of get prompted or I go into some anecdote about something and somebody reacts really positively to it. I, I, I note it. I note it. Sometimes I note it in my head. Sometimes, honestly, I note it in an Evernote. I have Evernote, which is this great app for just note taking. I, I have, I have Evernote and I have a, I have a folder in Evernote of just collecting notes of things that I've said in conversation that people liked. And that's cool. That's, yeah, a, that's a really, really good tip. I like that. Thank you. It's really valuable. I call, I mean, it's like, so for me, I call it, this is for speaking. I, I call my, my folder is called interlocking parts because that's how I think public speaking is. Like what you have is a menu in your head of like five minute interlocking parts, just like bits, you know, just stories or insights or whatever. And they're all, they're interlocking parts because you can stand on a stage and just kind of string them together however you need to, which is not all that different from being on a date where you're just pulling from these things that you've talked about and you can rely upon them when you don't have an answer. 
You know, like, I, I mean, a, you know what a great version, you know what a great example is? The butter dish story that I just told you a minute ago. I, t- I tell that story all the time. It's so useful in so many different ways. I know it's interesting. I know that people respond well to it. I've stood on so many stages now and told that story and everybody always laughs. And it's, it's a great story to have. So I always have it in the back of my head as one of my little parts. And that started with the very first time that I told that to somebody and they laughed and I put it down in my little Evernote folder. And the more you do this, the more you will build up this, this just arsenal of interesting things that you know you've like tested in the real world. You know that it works. And so you can, you can employ them. And of course, you don't want to only employ them. You don't want to like go on a date and just say all the things that you've already said. But they're, they're the things available to you. They're your fallbacks. And you know, your goal might be to, to like say 50% of the, you know, 50% of the conversation is coming from stuff that you sort of have thought about and the other 50 is just on the fly. And uh, which is, that I would say is roughly about every interview that I do. And now you feel prepared and confident because you know from your own life that people already like the thing that you're going to tell. I like that. And I also, I want to I add in, I think people should do the opposite too. I feel like some people might get caught up in a story that they have that they like to tell that they think is interesting, but every time they tell it, it doesn't actually get a good reaction. Yes. But they're so... Con- and I, I'm going to blank because I know that I have one of these stories, but I, I don't remember what this story was. And even if it was, it wouldn't be that interesting, right? Because I've learned that it's a story that I like to tell, that I enjoy telling but I never get the reaction I'm looking for out of it, yet I still tell it. And now I don't because I'm like, I think I've just learned that that story is really interesting to me and in my head, but maybe it's the way I deliver it, the way I tell it, whatever it is, it's not as interesting as, as I always think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so really what you're saying, Jason, is, and guys, listen to Jason here is take the notes on the things that you're saying that are getting those reactions. And then you know, oh, cool. This is a story that works. This is an anecdote that works. This is something that people really react to. And I like that you're so proactive in just writing it down. Don't you know? trust your memory. Just write it down so you remember what it is and you can bring that up on a date or another time and know that you can really get some attention. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and I, so I really, that's such a good point that you made because everybody's got those things that they, they love to tell. And you become so enamored with it that you lose sight of the audience and the audience, if the audience is bored, <laughs> you know, like it's time to move on. So I, that's, I think that's really, really helpful. And of course, you know, once you find something that's good, you can like refine it, which is really fun. You know, if you tell a story, if you just tell a story to, to some friends at work and they think it's funny, you know, the next time, the next time there's some kind of opportunity to slip into it, you know, like another conversation with some other people and you get into it. Now you, you like know what people laughed at last time and you can you can think about how to how to amplify that how to move through it faster how to how to cut out the windy boring parts like you can really refine a story without going through the process of like editing you know like it's not like it's not like you write it out and you and you edit it you're just doing it on the fly you're doing it in conversation with your friends and you're just you're just utilizing that time in in two different ways one by just being fun with your friends but two by by almost practicing for the future. I like that. I like that. That's cool. Okay, so now let's move into how do you tell the story? You found something. How do you tell it? Are there any good techniques or formulas you have for someone to be able to tell a story and make it more interesting? Or even take, you know, they're like, 
they don't have an interesting story, but they know they have some stories. Maybe there's a way to craft it so it sounds more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the story 101. Story 101 is that stories aren't just a series of facts. You know, it's not this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Great stories move, like tell you what's going on, but also have moments of introspection. You know, if you, if you, if you stop and listen to how somebody tells a great story, they're always also telling you what they're thinking through the story and they're letting you in on them, which is often the best parts. You know, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with David Sedaris, who is a, a great humor writer, but not like a but like jokey writer. Like he's, he, he writes these personal essays and they're wonderful and funny. And, but what's so great about them is not just the weird things that happen, but how thoughtful he is about himself and the people around him. It's like he's, he's almost doing like little character profiles, but that's too, it's complicated, not really where I mean to go. But, but what I, what I want to say is, is like when you tell a story about what's happening, be mindful of letting people in to you as well. It's not just a fact that happened. It's an experience that happened. And then to that point, the best stories are stories where like there's some kind of something, some, some kind of evolution happens. Here's a great example is, uh, Trip, do, you, do you know what the hero's journey is? Yes, I've definitely heard of this. Yeah. Uh, really popular way of storytelling. A lot of movies uh, are based on this formula. Yep, that's right. That's right. One of the classic forms of storytelling, hero's journey, which is like basically three acts. Act one, I set out to do something. Act two, I failed or ran into an enormous challenge. Act three, I overcame. That's the hero's journey. That's everything. That's literally every movie that you've ever seen is the hero's journey. And I find that the hero's journey is kind of applicable in some way to like everything, right? Like the butter dish story was a hero's journey, right? She like set out to do something. There was a challenge she overcame. And your career path can be a hero's journey. Like whatever, you know, so why'd you, why'd you move to Boston? That, that, there could be a hero's journey there, right? Like, you know, if you think about it in that way, where, where what you're doing is, is you're able to present the downside as upside, whatever it is, like, you know, you present some, there was a challenge, I ran into some problem, there was this thing, I didn't know what to do. But the hero's journey means that you're going to triumph in the end. And that's great because I think that everybody should share, and this goes back to the, my first point here where you're sharing insights into what you're thinking. I think everybody should share some vulnerability, but I can understand and appreciate that sharing vulnerability can be scary and challenging. And also, if just on its own, it's like a, it's like a big block that you slapped on the table and then nobody, she doesn't know what to do with, right? Like, I don't, I'm very uncomfortable doing this. And then she's got to like deal with that, right? You know, or like, oh, I don't really like my job. And then now, now she feels like she has to manage that in some, in some way. But if you pair it, if it's just part of the journey and, and then there's a resolution to it, there's some kind of action you took, some something, then you get to share that vulnerability, which I think is so important because women and just people in general love hearing somebody open up and share not just the confidence, but the, like the raw side too. But you are feeling confident in sharing it because it's part of the hero's journey and, and the next phase of the story is the triumph or the, the resolution or something. It's, it's, like a, it's a really good way of framing whatever you're uncomfortable with in a way that you can be comfortable with. 
So do you think that a guy should kind of look back on his life and say, what is something that I overcame? Yeah. And kind of work from that angle. Yeah. You know what the story was for me when I was dating? So there were, there were two that would always come up. One was like, you know, my career, my career path and whatever. But the other was so this fun fact about myself, which would, oh, I, I would just, it would always come up. And sometimes I would just slip it in because I knew that it would, it would, it would make women curious and suddenly we, they'd be asking a lot of questions. I don't have a sense of smell and therefore I don't have a sense of taste. Fun fact. And so if you just drop that, like I have a, I mean, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a disability, but whatever. Like I, there's something wrong with me. Then um, if you just like drop that on the table, you know, she's like, oh, oh. right. But if you tell it in a story, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so I, you know, I don't have, I don't have a sense of taste. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's totally fine now. Like I'm not, I'm not sad about it, but tell you how, how, how like I discovered it. And then, you know, and then I tell the story of how I sort of figured it out and, and then went through and it was like confusing and there was always like a funny moment or two. And, and then I come out like fine, right? Now she has a million questions. And also I have like revealed something while at the same time, not making her feel bad that she has this information, right? Like I'm okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's okay. Right. But it's something, something that happens, some challenge. It's an ongoing challenge. And uh, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's great. I think that it's great to, to share that, just something that you overcame, some challenge that you carry with yourself, something that you're striving or, or working towards. All of those can make for excellent stories. And, and all of those, like, just they're, they're full of experience and insight into you. Right. They get to learn about you. They get to be entertained by the story. They get to see confidence, really, because if we're talking about a story that you overcame something, even though you're being vulnerable about something, you're also saying how you, you kind of won in the end. Yeah. You know, you beat right. whatever the challenge was. Yes. Or you overcame whatever it was. And I think everyone has something like that in their lives. You know, I mean, I even have, I have one of those stories of how I became a dating coach. I mean, it's not a very normal job. And so I have a whole story of how I got into it and how I was able to actually, you know, get it going and make this weird hobby slash passion of mine into something that I can do for a living and then be able to do it all day, every day. And it was challenging to do that. So I think people can even look into their careers and how did they get to where they were? I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure there was some sort of challenge. So careers is a good place to look. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe something with, I don't know, something with a friendship or something with family that happened or maybe something that you worked on in school or some sort of achievement that you did throughout the course of your life. And you know, here's another thing too, is now that, and I'm talking to the listener, okay, now that you know this, wouldn't it be cool to start doing more things in your life to start creating more stories? You know, it's like now that you know that this is, this is a way to, to engage someone, it's like, well, if, if you really got nothing or you're just really struggling here and you're going out on a limb, finding a really small part of your life that you can try to extract and make into a big story, if that's you, start creating more stories in your life. Do more challenging things. Get outside your comfort zone. And the more you do that, I mean, the more you'll end up having story, you know, more stories. So for example, I would say like going skydiving 
that could be a great story. Sure, we all know what skydiving is and entails, and maybe you even know more if you've done it. But the way that you might tell it might be more interesting because maybe it's a challenge to you. So, so always, when I, I'd say whenever something scary comes up or there's a fear involved in, in doing something new, remember like, you know what? I got to do this thing because this is going to be a really cool story. I also say to people too is whenever people have a really bad moment, that could also tell for a good story. So here's an example, actually. I'll, I'll tell someone else's story that I just heard the other day. Basically, there's a story of this one girl who is learning how to teach a dance class, okay? So it's basically, you're teaching this dance class. It's like a cardio dance class, and she's training to be a full-time instructor to teach multiple dance classes per week. And you're pumping people up. You're doing the dance. You're, you're teaching people the moves. So it's a very intense kind of gig. And so on the first time that she ever did it, and she's going through training, at the end of the session, she looks over to the person training her and says, oh my God, I, I got to go puke. And she runs to the side of the room and just starts vomiting in the trash bin. Okay. And when I heard this story, the way it was told to me was like the you know, the girl who did this was mortified. Like it was terrible. It was terrible. Like she was so embarrassed. She was just like, I, I'm never going to be able to do this. This is, this is not for me. And so as I'm hearing this, I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a great story for her in like a year. Right now it's hell, right? She just went through a really terrible, maybe even semi-traumatic experience where she's like trying to be this dance instructor and, and at the end of it, she vomits, right? Like terrible. But in a year from now, she's going to look back at this and she's going to be like, oh my God, this is going to be a great story to tell because now I am a dance instructor and I'm killing it and I'm doing well. And it's going to be fun for her and exciting for her to be able to tell that story, which started off pretty traumatic, but then overcoming that challenge and moving into something more positive. But even if she didn't, I'm just, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Even if she decides never to be a dance instructor again, I still think that's an interesting story. Just say how like, oh yeah, this one time in my life, I tried to you know, do this one thing and oh my God. And then she gets to tell the story in more detail and how she perceived it. And then at the end pukes. Because that's like a random, that doesn't happen often. And so, oh yeah, you know, and so just hearing that, I was like, okay, now it sucks, but later on it's going to be awesome. So for you guys, whenever you're going through something that sucks and is traumatic and is really hard and scary, just know in like two months, three months, this will be a great story to tell people. I, I live by that. I live by that. That's, that's sometimes the motivating force for, for that thing. And as a writer, I, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a fortunate position because I, I can often take my stories and like do something with them. But often the reason, you're, just like you said, the reason to have put yourself into some uncomfortable situation in the first place is for the story. And I, I always think whenever I'm going through something that I don't really feel great about, I think, well, at least I'll have the story. Like at, least, at some point, this is going to be a useful experience. I don't know when, but at some point. And you need, like, you need those downtimes. Often when I speak, I actually I talk about the very first time that I did it when I was standing on the side of the stage. I was super nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. And I like, went out and my, so my jokes didn't work. And, but like, I needed that. I needed to go through that in order to have that story to stand on a stage later and tell and people like it. And so it's, it's, it's just what you said is so... I, I don't, it's so true. I couldn't say so true more enough. Oh, good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, 
yeah, I just think that's what's kind of cool about it is if you don't have anything now, work on the things that can become those stories. And I think that's going to help you live an actual more interesting life. But either way, I think we've kind of covered some good ground here on how to find that story. And then again, how to tell it, right? The formula is here's something you did and then you failed or you were going through a challenge and then you overcame it. I think that's pretty simple. And then I think, and maybe Jason, you can talk a little bit about this is, you know, you're talking like not giving as many facts. So what, how do you tell a story if you're not just giving facts? Like what other parts are there? Oh yeah. Well, so by facts, I mean, think about the way that a children's story is told. Spot is a dog. Spot runs. See Spot run, right? Like you never get into Spot, do you? You never learn anything about Spot. It's always, it's just really surface level. And that's what I, that's what I mean by that, that, right? There's a difference between, here, here's, a, here's a great, you know, one of the examples you gave there was skydiving, right? So here's how to tell skydiving as a fact, right? Imagine you sit down with a, with a woman and somehow this seems like a relevant thing to, to bring up. You're talking about fears that you have or whatever. And you say, I skydived, period, right? That's a fact. And, or you could do, I skydived. It was in New Zealand. It was pretty. Like, you know, you're just not, you're not sharing anything. It's not a story. It's not, it's not like what you need is, oh yeah, I skydived. So I, you know, the, like, I really wasn't going to do it at first, but then my friend Dave like talked me into it. And, you know, we were like in the plane. I can't tell you like just how unbelievably afraid I was. Like I was going to vomit. And then, you know, I actually did vomit and whatever. Right? You just need to bring people into what you're thinking, what you are thinking and what you, you think about almost like, you know, listen, when you're telling a story, everything in the story is like setting or character. So you are a character and people want to know you as the character. You're the character in the story. So tell your character, like bring her into you and your experience and your head as you're moving through a story. That's the difference. I, I oftentimes, I think that when people are bad storytellers, they're often just like, I, I, have, I have a high school friend who's a, who I uh, will not, not name, um, who's a terrible storyteller. And uh, this person, every time that I hear a story from this person, it is just a string of information. This happened, and then this happened, and this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And it's so boring because it's just, it's just facts. What I want to know is like, what was it like? What did you go through? What were you thinking? And that's like, like be introspective. I, sometimes I want to like, I just want to yell, be introspective. Like, tell me something about you. And that's, that's the difference between a great story and, and a fact, is that a, a fact doesn't let you in. Because there's nothing to let in. A fact is just a dry piece of information. But a story has to contain insight and, and character. You're a character. Tell me your character. Yeah, and how you feel and the details. And details, I think, are really strong too in stories. Yes. Even, if the, even if they are factual, just little details like that get someone sucked into the story. Let them know you know, give them what you saw, what you smelled, what you tasted, you know, what you heard, like those details, all the senses, yeah. literally all of them, depending on what the story is. But getting in, diving into those details can really help someone picture what's going on. And then all of a sudden they're escaped into the story and they're present with you in that story and you got them hooked on there, you know? Yeah. D details, great. I mean, great writing and great storytelling is all in the small details. It's, it's those little things like the, 
the, the, the color of something, the brand of something. I would challenge your listeners to just the next time that you're hearing somebody tell a great story, which could be, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you listen, maybe you listen to like a, like a, a, a comedy podcast or something where people tell stories or the moth or something like that, or just friends at work, whatever. And if you're really engaged in something, like the minute that you catch yourself being super engaged in a story, start thinking about the story. Like pull yourself out of it and say, okay, this is a great, this is a great story right now. What are they doing to make it such a great story? Okay, one, yeah, the details are awesome. It's just so detailed. And two, I'm really with this person. Like I feel like I'm experiencing what they're talking about with them because they're just so willing to let me in. Like you'll you'll just start to see it. I mean, this is how I became the writer that I am is that every time I would read a magazine story and realize, oh, this is a great piece, I would stop reading it for enjoyment and I would start studying it. What is the writer doing? How do they make that transition? How, why was that funny? Like what was leading up to that? And you just start to see the patterns and then you can start doing it yourself. I love it. That's great. And speaking of stories, you've written a story recently. You wrote a book called Mr. Nice Guy. Maybe you can yeah. tell us a little bit about that, Jason. Yeah, sure. So, you know, talk about, uh, as, you know, as we did, about how, how challenging experiences feel a lot better once they become stories. So Mr. Nice Guy is a novel that I wrote with my wife, and it is a romantic comedy. It's set in the magazine world, which, you know, where obviously I work, and it is about two people who each week sleep together and then critically review each other's performance in a magazine, or each other's sexual performance, I should say. It's not like a bodice ripper. It's you know, it's it's like a it's like a romantic comedy, and but it is, but there is a lot of sex in it, and uh, and it's about these two characters who who kind of square off in this very public, intimate way, and a lot of a lot of what's in that book because because the main the main character is this guy named Lucas who's twenty, he's in his early twenties, and he is dating really for the first time because he had, he had a girlfriend out of high school, and then they broke up and. So this is the first time he's kind of out in the dating world and he's a fumbling mess. And that was me. I mean, that was, that was me when I moved to New York. I moved to New York actually at the age of 28 and I had been dating this girl from college on. So, that, so eight years I was with her or nine years or something. And I, I had no idea what I was doing. And I went out date after date and made many, many, many mistakes. And honestly, really, even then, I would walk away from like a, just a sort of terrible date and I would think, well, good story. Like that's, that's good for something, right? <laughs> I, don't I don't know what, but it's good for something. And what we ended up doing is, is my wife and I put it together into this book called Mr. Nice Guy. And it is so, it was so satisfying, I have to tell you, to have found a place for these experiences, to like to move them into like a, a place where they felt constructive and entertaining and like I sort of was able to like make sense of them. And so that's that's the book, and and in so doing, on we we in telling these stories, I I feel like I also, and this is something I think that you may find as you challenge yourself to tell better stories, you almost start to make sense of your experience more. You know, you like realize things that you did or why you did them in ways that you may not have until you were trying to explain it to someone in a in a really cogent way. I find that to be really useful. And also it just makes for a better story. You know, like, like when, you're, when, you, when you tell somebody you're doing something and then you say, hey, you know, and now I look back on it, I realize 
I didn't mean that at all. I was trying to do this other thing. And, uh, you know, the, you, which is great. I love those real realizations because they invite people to, to kind of join you on your quest of discovery. Yeah, anyway, that's, that, that's a bit of a tangent. But anyway, the book is called Mr. Nice Guy. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Where can people find that? Oh, uh, anywhere. I mean, you know, the obviously easiest place would be uh, Amazon or any online retailer. We also have, it's in paper, ebook, and audio form. So if you use any audiobook platform, then it's there. Or you, know, you can walk into your local Barnes and Noble or something. And I hope you can find it. You should be able to find it. <laughs> cool. We'll see. If you can't, let me know. Awesome. Guys, go check that out. Mr. Nice Guy. Jason, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for giving us some really cool techniques and, uh, and our formula for finding a story and being able to tell it right. I think the guys can now take some of that information away and, and be able to use it and be able to just help themselves become more charismatic when they're talking to people, which I think is really one of the better benefits of being able to tell a story. Oh, yeah. Uh, being charismatic. Uh, and that's obviously very attractive to women and to people in general. Totally. And you know, the more confident you are in your storytelling, the more charismatic you will become. So yeah, no, thank you, Tripp. And, and uh, yeah, everyone go tell great stories. Awesome. I love it. Jason, thank you again. Thanks for being here. Guys, again, go check out Mr. Nice Guy. And uh, Jason, maybe we'll have you back on for another episode. That was number two. Maybe I'd love to do it. Three. Let's go for three. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. 